Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of National Treasure Edge of History, Season 1. So, I don't know if they're getting a second season or not. This had 10 episodes, spins out of the National Treasure movies, and it was interesting because most of the characters are totally new to this TV show, not in the films. There are three characters from the films. We have the FBI guy, Sadusky, who's the lead guy for the two FBI contingents in the films. Mm-hmm. That was played by... Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. He was in the first episode and referenced throughout the rest. Mm-hmm. And really, he was a powerful character in the movies in terms of... He had kind of this charisma to the way he played that FBI character. He did a terrific job, and I think using him to kind of spin the movies into the TV show was an interesting approach. Mm-hmm. Because the simple way would have been, it's another Gates or a family member or something like that. They didn't do that. We do have the Sadowski family involved here with the grandson Liam being one of the main characters. But the lead character of Jess, totally different family. She is a... American resident, but not an American citizen, having been born here what? Born in Mexico. Oh, born in Mexico. She's DACA. She's DACA. That's right. That's right. And I really, at one point, felt that they missed an opportunity to do a line on she's a dreamer, mm-hmm. because that's what the DACA kids are called. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because they took what, in the movie, the family connection was heavy white American Americana stuff named after presidents, etc. They kept the American experience angle but came at it from such a different direction and angle on it, which I thought was a smart move. They did some beautiful stuff here, and part of it was going back to the whole, you know, Texas was part of Mexico before it was part of the United States. Yes. And things like that, kind of pointing out, I don't want to say that the borders are arbitrary, but that these country well, changed over the years that's for sure yeah these country delineations have changed and evolved well this took america from instead of the european perspective if you will or that history mm-hmm. from the american perspective of mexican central america aztec incan mayan etc mm-hmm. well and we had said after the first movie that that was very much a east coast yes new england centric view and kind of a, even when in the second movie they went to South Dakota, it was kind of a, how do you get more of a a West Coast or more of a central to the United States story? And I think they really pulled that off by bringing a more native, as they called it here, Pan-American story. Yeah. Well, and they also, for lack of a better term, corrected one of the potential shortcomings of the films, where it was a very white cast. Yes. Yeah. Here we've got a 
Hispanic or Latinx or whatever the proper term is, and I, I mean no offense or whatever, I just don't know what the term is, but as the lead, mm-hmm. her best friend is a black girl. Mm-hmm. They have an Asian friend. Mm-hmm. They also have a white friend, and then Liam with the the red hair, who may as well have been Irish for that, you know, as far as we can tell. He, he was third generation American, at least, probably mm-hmm. fourth or fifth. So that gave it a much more diverse you know, approach and casting angle, which I liked. We also had economic diversity. We had Ethan, the Asian character, whose family was so wealthy that the Hispanic character's mom was his nanny and tutor. Yes. Well, and the other one... Mina? No, the the shoe shopping. Oh, Oren. Oren. That's... I've got too much money. (laughs) That was so funny. So, and it's funny because the economic disparity was very clearly there, but not in a how do these kids get along kind of a way. Yeah. And the other part I liked that they took thematically from the films was Ben Gates was from a family of treasure hunters. Jess was, but didn't know it. Yes. And they start the thing with these kids in an escape room, which had some ludicrousness aspects to it, but establishing she's the problem solver, the puzzle solver, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So setting up the, she can do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And the other friends are helpful, work with her, but I don't want to say she's the brains of the group, but she's the, again, the puzzle solver of the group. She's the observant one. She's the one who, she gave up her educational dreams when her mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Well, there were a couple of times, particularly near the end and stuff, where she's visualizing things, mm-hmm. you get the graphic overlay, the character, or the symbols are popping up and, and shifting and mm-hmm. dimming and whatnot, which reminded me a little of Psych yeah. early on. But it's the, this is how her brain works. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they did that two episodes before the end, soon after the prison break. Because much like the movies, we go through a series of adventures well, <laughs> along the treasure hunt. This person's in jail and going to get killed. Clearly, our only solution is to break them out of jail. Of course. Yeah. But in that one, they realize that the map they're looking at isn't a map of land. Yes, it's a stellar cartography kind of a map. And man, the visuals they do, because they're standing out in this open field with this big tree, and then it's very clearly CG, but mm-hmm. no, not like they're trying to fool us or anything. Mm-hmm. Let's superimpose the night sky on top of the daylight. Mm-hmm. Let's highlight what they're looking at, the Big Dipper, all this other stuff. Bring in the Milky Way. Yeah. Which is just, you know, the map has a river, and the river is the Milky Way. And I mean, it was just beautifully done. But the thing it, to me is that the Big Dipper isn't in the same place in the sky every night. There were a couple of things I couldn't figure out how... She had an app, regardless of it conveniently being on her phone, but an app that you could put in three or four constellations and it would give you a location on Earth. Yeah. I, I don't get, I, maybe that can work, I just don't get how. Well, it seems to me that you would have to have the constellations and a date to know, if you said, okay, my view of the night sky is on this date, then it should tell you where that was the view of the night sky from. Yeah. Yeah, I had taken it as it was the view of the night sky from that tree. There were some parts of that that was a little hand wavy. Yes, that's where I'm going. Yeah. It was hand wavy yeah. to me. Now, Sadusky was, was one of the characters yes. from the movies. 
the FBI agent who had dismissed the the declaration is going to be stolen in the first movie and was also in the second movie, he was in this. Mm-hmm. Although there were a couple of times they had to remind us he was that guy because he's he got a, you know, beard and mustache now, he's enough older. I didn't recognize him from the movies. It's funny because in that first movie, and I told you this after we had watched one or two of the episodes, and I'm like, in the first movie, he reminded me of uh, the assistant cop on Monk. Disher. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and there was something in, I think it was the second episode here, where he sits down to talk to Agent Ross, and he's sitting at our desk, and something he dare said. I'm like, oh, that's such a Disher moment. And that's what hit me. Wait, this is the same actor, the same character. How did I not? And then I'm like, well, it's not like he was Sadusky, a prominent character. Yes. In the movies. He was... Very much the Disher character. He was one of the junior FBI guys. He was the junior guy who kept saying it was so impossible to believe that I didn't bother to believe it or investigate it or consider it. Yeah, yeah. And And he he was well used. He was well used, but he was coming across very in character right from the beginning of, oh, don't bother investigating that. Oh, that's so ridiculous. They telegraphed a few things on him. And there's an aspect of, of this kind of a, where they're going after a treasure. Based on the two movies, you know there are people you can't trust. The question is, who can't we trust here? So there was some of that. But there was also the varying character of he doesn't take ridiculous reports seriously. Yes. Yes. I know you told me you're going to go do this. I don't believe you. I'm not even going to bother writing it down. Yeah. 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 So there was that. Well, and the first report that comes into that Agent Ross when... The, yes. the girls come in to report the kidnapping. Well, because we get Agent Ross, who's a new FBI agent, and the, the girls come in to report, and she thinks it's a prank because she's the rookie. Well, and it doesn't help that the black girl, Tasha, doesn't want her name in the FBI records. I forget what name she gives, but she identifies Jess as Jen Lopez. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was... It was very clearly a fake name. Uh, Jane Dovers or something like that? Yeah, Jane Doe kind of a thing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it played out as a, they're being totally honest, they're being totally straight, oh, you are names. It goes downhill fast. And it was hilarious because of it. Well, having that FBI agent in the whole thing of, they go to her for help, but realize, up, oh, that's not going to work, they lie. Then it's a, she can't trust them, and then... There's there's this whole arc with but that, and that character had a nice arc with her investigation throughout. She the season. really did. She had great arc, and the moments when she was coming to realize, wait, somebody report, wait, maybe I should look into this. Or they did a good job of her putting the pieces together and having those realizations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were a couple of times where seeing Jess have the realization, or a few other people. Where things kind of, you can see them click into place. And staying on Agent Ross for a moment, I loved her and the coroner together. Yes. Well, in the eventual reveal that her middle name was Betsy. Mm-hmm. Again, a nod to the films of mm-hmm. named after key people of American history. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked all of those things. Mm-hmm. You didn't get, I didn't let you get, I should say, to the third person from the movies. I was was going to get to there. I know, but I was helping. Before I get there, Sadusky is now retired in in Baton Mm -hmm. Rouge, where most of this takes place. Mm -hmm. We knew he was a Mason from the shows. 
they take that a few steps further. He now has in his house, which is practically a mansion, it felt like, not only this huge study, but off it, a hidden clue room with the hidden bookcase door hiding okay. it and stuff. First of all, I want the floor plan for the house so I can see how the clue room is truly hidden and nobody knows it was there. Second of all, I want a house with a clue room. Yes. Especially with the the booby trap on the glasses Well, from the Declaration of Independence movie. What you do is you, you have to have the hidden bookcase kind mm-hmm. of entrance to it. You have it set up as an escape room. <laughs> yes. There you go. Where it's literally a clue room <laughs> and people have to figure out, well, they've got to solve the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. I would love to do something like that. Yeah. Particularly if you could set it to where you could rearrange and reset the room for different themes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, okay, we, we've had our dinner party. Let's retire to the parlor. Oh, here's tonight's entertainment. Yeah. You know, hit the, the, the books on the shelf. It opens. Let's go solve tonight's mystery. There you go. Be, be fun. So he's going after, again, other treasures and stuff, which is part of what gets Jess down the whole path. Because she was working at a storage shed company mm-hmm. for the first episode. <laughs> but that's enough for her to have to go find out who owns this one shed that's not paid up. Turns out it was Sadusky. That gets her there. That gets her into the whole thing. And he needs, because he, he's getting old, he needs somebody to go after this lost treasure. Basically kind of points her in the direction. That gets the whole thing going. Yeah. Now that it's going down that path, they bring in a couple episodes later somebody from the uh, the two films, and that was Riley. Yeah. Who's now, you know, a famed treasure hunter. So they're like, oh, we're stuck on this one riddle. Can you help us? Ah, yes, I will try to help you. Now, through story shenanigans or whatnot, which they played acceptably fair on, Jess and Riley get trapped in the clue room, giving them some one-on-one time, and they've got to figure out some stuff to, to get out of the clue room. And I love the, the line Riley had of, okay, we both have different solutions for this one puzzle. We only have one chance to get it. Go with yours. You think like Ben. Ben's always right. Yeah. And they'd already established she's not carbon copy of Ben, but you can see the parallels in how she's thinking through the problems, how she's taking it to that next step, mm-hmm. has the knowledge and stuff. Yeah. And they crafted a really great character with her. And then surrounded her with the friends, you know, Tasha being the computer expert and, and things like that, mm-hmm. that gave it, that turned it into, from a solo hero into an ensemble kind of a thing and did that well. Yeah. Now, it was a younger cast than I was expecting because they're all early 20s. Yeah. College. I would, just post college. Well, Ethan was in college. Definitely. I thought he was stewing for his law stuff. So I thought the others, eh. I couldn't tell if the others, they were yeah early 20s again, college-ish age, give or take. I was expecting, based on the movies and stuff, people in their mid-30s, that sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. But again, I liked what we got. Now, in the films, you always have the, the antagonist chasing after the treasure too. Mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones played that role. Mm-hmm. She did a good job with it. I'm not going to say it was a brilliant character. There were a couple of times you could see her putting the pieces together. But there are also a couple of times it's like, wait, how did she get this? How did she know that? Yeah. Maybe this was the case. Oh, no, she didn't have that piece of information, so that couldn't have been it. Yeah. And I felt they overplayed her character in a few places where 
she was so many steps ahead of Jess and her friends. It's like, how are they ever going to catch up? Mm-hmm. And the way they did catch up and kind of surpass uh, with the prison break and all of that uh, kind of kind of played fair. I liked when Jess basically used Catherine Sayer-Jones' character, Billy, to her advantage. Yes. I need to get from point A to point B. Not sure how to do it, but Billy wants to kidnap me and take me there. Yeah, yeah. I got no better route, so I can either struggle and do it on my own, or... Well, and she had already played Billy a time or two. Mm -hmm. And again, having Jess be somebody who could could handle herself, hold her own, and see when she was being conned and pretty much run a counter con at the same time. Yeah. Was was fun. I like seeing intelligent characters that are not infallible, but not making stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't have everything. They're gonna have, you know, some disadvantages. They don't have the private jet, the loads of money, all that kind of stuff, the infinite resources. But they can make do with the resources they do have, and the intelligence they've got. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of did this take what was in the movies and translate it to television, I would say it really it checked all the boxes, some in ways you might not have expected. Again, aging down the cast, going for ensemble versus more or less a solo thing, but we kept the almost over-the-top insanity of we've got to you know, break into Graceland to go get this thing out of the secret Elvis room or whatnot. Yes. We've got to, you know, break this person out of jail. Gotta get something out of the governor's mansion. Out of the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, things of that sort. So the wild heist capery type stuff from the movies absolutely had that. Gotta get a clue that's in a well that has been basically bulldozed over and a bank's been put on top of it. Yeah. Once you've got the thing, you've got to figure out what it means and what the hidden clue in it is. Mm -hmm. The one thing I think the show totally fell down on was in the very first episode, Raphael found one of the puzzle boxes, gave it to his wife, who had Jess as a baby with her, and wife, baby, and puzzle box head to America. Now, I assume that's the puzzle box we found in the Masonic Lodge. I would think so. The question is how it got there. Yeah. Yeah, we never really figured that out, and they could have been a little clearer. I mean, they gave some of the backstory on how Billy got the second box, but it was... I felt they did a decent job giving clues, paying off the clues and stuff like that, but there were a few things in the overall backstory and whatnot that you just kind of got to accept, mm-hmm. and and definitely that was one of them. But I, I can forgive a lot on that because having just be effectively a second generation treasure hunter whether she knew it or not again it, it gave resonance to the films yeah you know and then having the parental issues very different ways than mm-hmm. ben gates had mm-hmm. but that kind of kind of played in i just there was a part of me that until i finally just made peace with okay that must have been the one in the masonic lodge i'm like so at some point are we going to go through mom's stuff and find the box she's been hiding all these years and protecting, or what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was really no, other than the necklace, nothing from Mom that Jess had that was relevant. She later found Mom's thesis or paper, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But that was at Sadusky's. That was at Sadusky's. But I had gotten the impression that Mom was, this treasure chasing is going to be the end of us, so let's put that behind us. Mm-hmm. Which again leads towards 
somehow got to the Masonic Temple or whatever. Yeah. So I was surprised we never went back to the Masons. Person I would have liked to see at, because every movie has to, or every National Treasure story has to end with the treasure ending up in a museum. So when this treasure ended up at the museum, the character I wanted to see admiring it was that Maliche expert that kept saying she couldn't oh. write and all that stuff. Actually, if they could have done it, I would have loved to have had him there getting chewed out by a former professor of his <laughs> that was Ben's mother. Oh, that would have been hilarious. Yes, yes. How many times did I have to tell you, you cannot take certain things as, you know. Yes, yes. And even if we didn't see her and we just got a voiceover or something, yeah, that would have been fun because she did get name dropped. Yes. You know, we did not see any of the Gates family, but they did get referenced mm-hmm. and their absence in one or two places explained. Yeah. Because there were one or two, it's like, yeah, it made sense for, for Ben to be there or something, but, you know, and again, having Riley there for the episode, mm-hmm. I thought was a ton of fun, you know, and again, it having those characters of, of Ben and Riley and so forth not in the show, I think was the right move. Yeah. Referencing them, that they're still out there, they're still having their own adventures and whatnot made sense. But I think they built a new kind of, you know, branch of the franchise. Mm-hmm. They could easily go do another season on this, or if they wanted to do a National Treasure something else with other characters, yeah. I think they've opened the door to that. Well, acknowledging that it's not like there's only one family that goes treasure hunting. Or has a history, or has yeah. you know knowledge that others are lacking or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they did a good job with that. And then again, you were saying with Agent Ross of the FBI and the medical examiner, Building that relationship up, how they meet, how they interact and stuff, and how that all kind of plays out and pays off at the end. They had the best date ever. They had a lot of fun between the coffee date, some of the awkward conversations here and there, Mm -hmm. following their investigation that they were essentially working on and whatnot. It was something that in so many shows like this or, or movies like this, you would have well, the police have to be looking at it, so we've got to check in on them every once in a while, police, FBI, whatever. But they're all, you know, business and that's it. Yeah. Here, we got a, a, a good realized both relationship and characters. Here, they managed to have fun telling us what the orange dye could have come yes. from. Yes, yes. They did some of that with a sense of style that did not need to be there and could have been a cut and dry, here's a medical examiner, boom, here's what I got. Yeah. And if they do a second season of this, those two characters, I think, need to be there, ideally as regulars, Mm -hmm. but if not as key supporting players like Riley was used this season. Yeah. But I think not having them as regulars would be a mistake. Yeah. But that means you've essentially got seven, eight characters to bring over to another show, another season if you do it. Definitely six. The question is Raphael. Raphael is the one I was questioning. And he's awkward and hard because of his immigration status. Well, you've got the five kids. Yes. The FBI agent and the ME. Yeah. And now you got Raphael. So that's eight right yeah. there. Add a ninth for whoever the antagonist would be. Yeah. And at bare minimum, you're juggling nine characters. And that's not even counting the fact that Billy had three hench people that were, were recurring. Mm-hmm. Plus, Sadusky's nurse. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there were a number of characters here, but they all had a purpose there, made sense, had their own little arcs, and I liked how the writers avoided going down some very cliche routes. They ended one episode with Riley basically saying to Jess, what you think is not public information, other people have. Yeah. They shouldn't. If only you and your friends have it, maybe one of them isn't your friend. That could have easily gone next episode with a confrontation, a you know blowing up of friendship sort of a deal and whatnot. And it eventually hit a few of those notes, but not in the cliche, obvious, mm-hmm. oh, of course they're going to go this way. They're going to overreact. This is going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. So I liked how they played into certain expectations and played against them. But also, that episode with Riley had one of the best exchanges between Jess and Liam. When they're at a funeral, both of them have lost their parents. Yeah. He, his father, she, both, uh, her mother more recently. And they're going through the, here's what people will tell you. Yeah. Kind of things. And they're, if you've gone through that sort of experience as, as we have. Yeah. You can check them off. Yep. 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 Yeah. They mean well, but really, why would you say that to somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I And I thought the two really played that well. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes to having a, a solid cast on the show. Yes, definitely. So, they did well on the cast. Other than the, I don't understand how Sadusky's house was laid out, they did great on the set for that. Yeah. It was a key location they used frequently. And understandably so. And when they would design, be it the puzzle boxes or the necklace or other widgets and whatnot, they did great with that. Mm-hmm. When we finally get to the treasure there at the end, mm-hmm. granted, it's not, you know, multiple stories underground. <laughs> There's no big cavernous, oh my God, how are we going to climb back up problem? There's no water flowing through it. No, but great skylights. Great skylights. Isn't that? That prevented the, we've got to light the oil and light the whole cavern up problem. Yeah. But the layout of the, here's the room you've got to get across with the puzzle was good. But how and did- And the treasure room itself was beautiful. How did Billy and Ethan get across it? I took it as Billy had made that first step down there, realized what the thing was going to be, and then basically chucked the C4 and set ah, it off. Okay. Okay. And then that pretty much destroyed the thing, so Ethan could just waltz right in. Okay. Ethan really was a Boy Scout. He was, and he was one of those, is he too good to be true? Is he not? Yeah. What's the backstory with Jess? He had his arc, but for my money out of the, the, the kids, he was he was the one I'm not sure I would have cast that actor. The actor did fine, but I didn't think he totally sold. I didn't think he was given the best material to work with. I thought what made Oren hilarious is that kid was a chatterbox who couldn't keep a secret unless you put him in front of an FBI agent or an authority of some sort, in which case the threat against his life kicked in and he could lie. Yeah, he was a lot of fun because he's the well-meaning, but not always that bright. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yet not an idiot. He was, Mm -hmm. because it was funny, early on we were going through, it's like, okay, Ben, they basically put most of it into Jess, but there's a little, little bit of it in these other characters. Riley, a lot of that went into Orin. Yes. Yes. The Am I the only one in the room who knows? Yes. Yes. 
Well, and the uh, they master the escape room. They're about to be the only oh, yes. ones. <laughs> They're the only ones to solve this escape room and make it out and stuff. And he's checking his phone and there's a rule against cell phones. Yes. And he hasn't cleared the door yet. Yeah. If he'd waited another 30 seconds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought the escape room at the beginning was a little ludicrous because it's a prison escape and they're all decked out in prison jumpsuits. Yeah. For an hour escape room, making people change into- Yep. You gotta get more wardrobe for I it. Yes, I don't know. But again, it was an effective way to set up the kids, the friendship, mm-hmm. the, the puzzle solving, the desire for adventure and stuff. Mm-hmm. When Jess picked a fight with Tasha- Mm. To try and protect her. And Tasha went over to Oren to bemoan we're fighting. That scene played out shockingly well. Well, when Oren comes back with, I have these. Yes, yes. And she's like, you don't like chocolate. You don't like, uh, you know, peanut Peanut butter or whatever it is. He's like, yes, but you do. Yes. Like, we've broken up. I know, but I thought you might come over. And if you did. Yes, yes. Again, hopeless romantic aspect. There's that. But then during the movie. Mm, yes. When he's like, I, I picked this movie for the lesson in friendship. Yeah, yeah. He picks a movie. They show a couple of key scenes from it. It's, this is a Disney Plus show. They can have other footage on their disposal. And I don't want to say what yeah, they yeah. picked, but they picked something that, that was fitting. And he's like, oh, these two characters here, see how you and Jess are. And she's like, well, which am I? It's <laughs> like, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> yes. it played well. Yeah, it really worked. And it, it sold them as modern American, I was going to say teens, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Younger people and such. So I think overall, the writing, again, there were a few places it could have improved, certainly. But it was solid. It was well done. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. They kept the mystery moving forward. The How they solved stuff, for the most part, was believable. Just having the box and being on the bus and solving it in- One try. I was going to say two minutes flat. Yeah. Made no sense, but genius puzzle solver. Okay. So again, a couple of things that could have been improved, but nothing that was an Achilles heel. And if you're willing to kind of go with a few of those things, it's a very enjoyable ride. Mm -hmm. And I would argue probably, granted it was 10 episodes versus a two hour-ish movie. I would say it was a better story. Yeah. You know, we got to know the characters a bit more because we had about five times the time, four or five times the time. It fit the basic pattern of a National Treasure movie without being a carbon copy of it or diverging too far. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more even pacing, if that makes sense, as opposed to the movies went so outrageously high and then kind of dropped you outrageously low to make the contrasts. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the series was more evenly paced and just really a fun ride. Well, like at Graceland, we need a distraction. Yes. <laughs> Whenever she asks for a distraction, she's got to be careful of what she gets. <laughs> yes, yes. But the fact that the distraction from Graceland came back again and well, again. Each distraction was a way to illustrate that character doing the distraction. Yes. Or at Graceland. Let me go calm them this way. Oh, I was thinking- I of, know, you were yes. thinking Liam at Graceland. Yes. He did his own spin on it. Yes. And then Tasha at the governor's mansion did exactly what was would have been expected there. Yeah. So they used that to illustrate the characters. There were a few times where there were a couple of things 
a little bit with with Liam's distraction, where also when he was in the bar a time or two, where it's like, oh, they're showcasing this aspect of the actor. It fits the character, but there's a why. Yeah. And then there was the dance scene at one point with Jess and- Yes. uh, Yes. Ethan. Ethan. And it was fine. It was good. It had some interesting backstory. There was even a photo or two later to play off, oh, here's how it was back in the day and such. And it goes to their backstory, but that was one where it wasn't so much showing off what the actors can do as much as what the editors could do. Yeah. Because there are some people and such that if you're going to do that kind of a dance number, you're not only going to make it a number, but man, the choreography on that would really showcase they can do this dance. Yeah. Yeah. And they pulled it off here, but there were also a lot of cuts. Mm-hmm. But- Again, it's one thing out of a, you know, 10-episode show. But the dance seemed to be to show that Jess got distracted from the mission, and that's what gave Billy an opening. It was that, as well as there is some history there. They know each other really well, have forever. They're both seeing other people, and that throws those relationships into question, Mm. which set up a possible misunderstanding later with Liam. I mean, yeah. it played into the story beautifully. And it was also showing Oren speaking without thinking. Yes. So how it all happened made sense. But it it was one of those things where, I mean, at one point with, with Liam, it's like, okay, what has this actor done? Does he have a singing career? Yes. And it and turns not- out we'd actually seen him in Stargirl. Yes. Didn't recognize him as such, but- But not a singing career that I could find. No. But decent voice. And Mina turned out to have a good voice. When the- she was doing the karaoke and stuff, she, yeah. she did a great job on that too. Yeah. It's just, do we need that? Not necessarily. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, sure. It was fun. But I was, because we were at, what was it? Squeaky Eddie's or whatever the Something bar was like called. That. I was hoping to see like a poster for Liam saying that he was now their regular Friday uh. night singer or something. For me, that would have been payoff for them being at that location. I think- they could have done something a little better with that location, and it would have been funny if it was a historic bar in mm. Baton Rouge or something. Mm-hmm. But Jess had to work somewhere after she got fired at the storage company because that had outlived its usefulness after the episode it was in. <laughs> I wasn't sorry to see it go, but it was, yeah. No, but we don't know if she got fired from the bar for not showing either. She does That have was a- definitely the impression I got. Yeah, she has a tendency to not show up for work. Well, you know, being kidnapped and all that stuff can do that. Yeah. Anyways, I enjoyed this. I have no idea if they're getting a second season. I hope they do. Me too. I would definitely be back for that. If there is a third National Treasure movie, I would like to see her in it. Mm, That'd be cool. And again, playing up the the bigger picture here. And I think it'd be fun to see other treasure hunters and almost building up a a network of them, even Mm -hmm. if it's just you know, comments in the background or whatnot. Yeah. And we heard from Riley, oh, he's telling us about this other person who's got this, wondering if you could help out on this clue or whatever kind of thing. So again, enjoyable show. It's on Disney Plus. I think it's worth watching. I agree. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.